The Man War Podcast is sponsored by HotMovies.com. Try out some ethical, paid-for porn for free with none of those hidden fees or secret subscriptions when you sign up at HotMovies.com and use the promo code MANHOR. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by Beducated.com, a platform where you can take first-class online trainings ranging from penis massage to female orgasm. Use the promo code MANHOR to get 20% off any of their courses at beducated.com. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Manhor Podcast. Shout out to all the front porch swingers, foyer voyeurs, kitchen kinksters, and backyard buttfuckers. I worked so hard on those. Okay, this is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. I couldn't really think of anyone to do for, like, attic. Uh, attic. Asexuals in the attic? I, that doesn't seem right. What's up, everybody? How you doing? Uh, this week on the pod, I have got on Brian, one of the co-hosts of the Front Porch Swingers podcast. And folks, this is a great one. I was fascinated by his story from start to finish, and I'm very excited to share him with y'all in a little bit. But first, show dates, people, show dates. Okay, uh, tomorrow in Brooklyn, February 20th, I'm at Easy Lover, uh, telling jokes and taking my clothes off on stage at 8 o'clock. <laughs> I'll be, uh, I'll, I might be surprising people with some menagerie in the process. Hey, uh, next week, February 26th, I'm at the People's Improv Theater, 6 p.m. in the downstairs stage. Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm going to be at Laugh Fest this year. March 10th, I have a show at Creation Brewery. March 12th at Dr. Grin's. And the most important show dates you need to keep in mind, you need to block them off, you need to be ready, is ManhorCon 2020. Uh, we're going to be talking more about ManhorCon in the coming weeks, but just know to save the dates August 28th to August 30th here in New York City. Uh, there will be a live podcast on August 29th, but, you know, we know that. Uh, so as, as for Brian, you know, so Brian uh, co-hosts Front Porch Swingers with his girlfriend, Brenna. Brenna, big fan of this show, The Man Whore Podcast. Brenna and I um, hooked up at AVN last year in Vegas when they were, they came to Vegas um, to cover the uh, swinger convention that happens across the street from AVN. Uh, and we got to hook up again this year in Vegas. I think that's about to just be like our annual thing is every year at the porn convention, Brenna and I get to have sex because she lives very far away. And Brenna was, you know, one of like several really fun, sexy encounters that I got to have on this road trip. However, uh, Brenna gives quite the in-depth analysis of uh, my sexual activity with her. Uh, on her podcast, <laughs> which is very interesting. She actually did it over the course of two episodes. That's apparently how much she had to say about my dick is she had, it took two episodes to get through it all. So if you want to hear like um, an actual review of sex with me, go check out episode 73 and 72 of the Front Porch Swingers podcast. It's uh, <laughs> I think she's I think she's very kind in her review. 
And now for your emails, people, your emails. Uh, yeah, so I got this one uh, titled New Listener. Uh, it writes, uh, hey there, I've been interested in polyamory for a while and considering trying it out. Thank you for sharing your stories and living a poly life without shame. I'm still working on that for a number of reasons, one of them being my HIV status. I acquired HIV when I was 18 from someone who wasn't very honest with me. He pretended to put on the condom that I gave him. I'm 32 now and extremely healthy. My viral load is undetectable, which means that it's more likely to get attacked and killed by a wild zebra in Chicago than to acquire HIV from me. Not impossible, but when the fuck has that happened? Uh, for all those curious, you can Google U equals U uh, or uh, undetectable equals untransmittable. My ex of four years is negative, and we never used condoms. The main trauma I face living with HIV is everyone freaking out about it. I was a bit disappointed at the tone around HIV when your guest spoke about a scare that someone did something stupid, quote unquote, to acquire HIV. People acquire the virus a number of ways. Some people had been born with it. This is rarely the case anymore because due to advancements in medicine and technology, a woman who is paused can birth an HIV negative child. A man who is paused can have sex with people who are negative and not transmit the virus. I'm not trying to come after you. I love the podcast and having healthy exposure to the poly community. I'm asking you to maybe read up on what undetectable means. And if you have a guest who starts fear speech, then you can use that teachable moment. Am I suggesting that everyone just have condomless sex with every person they meet? No. However, there might be a listener who misses out on a great partner for lack of knowledge. You have an opportunity to bring people closer, keep them informed, and keep new cases more rare than bisexual men. Which, that's, that's probably also problematic, dude. Come on now. Come on. Don't, don't be saying, hey guys, don't have stigma about HIV, and then throw stigma onto the Bible guys, Okay. Uh, food for thought. If I'm telling someone that I've lived with HIV for 14 years and never have passed it, then I'm probably not trying to pass it to them. I would have to harm myself first in order to harm others, and I love me, so that's highly unlikely. With love. I know my name is in the email, but let's keep that on the DL. Um, DL, we'll call you DL. Um, thank you for your, your very thoughtful email. Um, when he when he emailed me, I asked him which guest, because he just mentioned a guest. It, it turned out it was the episode uh, last week with Alexis Allaire. And I don't actually recall the exact comment. I like to think that I push back on things um, when I when I can, either if the moment allows for it or if I have the knowledge base to do so. Um, but you know, I try to do my best, and I apologize if uh, if I did let a dangerously ignorant comment slip by me. You know, the guy also writes back. You know, he's DL. He he wrote back to me. Said it wasn't horrible, but I did get that brief sinking feeling. Until I remembered who I really am again. It's, it's just weird to hear people talk about how scared they are of something I live with every day. He continued in his uh, reply email. I said hi to someone recently and their immediate response was, you have HIV? Uh, they then began to slut shame me. I definitely gave them a piece of my mind, but it's hard to hear things coming from people who you don't respect. I share with people how low their risk is with me. Zero. Or if we want to be scientific, uh, in infinitesimally just above zero but all some people can hear is aids 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 whenever i speak so when someone who is hiv negative has a platform to talk about sexual health i try to tell my story in hopes to help change the conversation 
Anyways, yes, I love the podcast, man. It's so liberating to hear people talk so openly about their poly lives. It's reassuring to hear that poly people find successful friendships, romantic partners, and everything in between. I've been reading books, Googling people, and scrolling through podcasts to see if I connected with anyone. I've just been in this phase of my life where I'm aggressively accepting everything that I'm into. So I've been searching for other like-minded people to learn from and fellowship with. And he did ask one question. He said, what would you say is important to know or remember to someone curious or just starting out with polyamory? Or, you know, we can even uh, expand that to ethical non-monogamy. So, hey, swingers, hey, uh, hey, open relationships. We're talking about you too. I think a piece of advice for someone who's clearly so excited about it and so excited to get in there and get on Grindr or Tinder or Field or whatever or Reddit, I would say don't let the excitement blind you. I think we, we do and say a lot of stupid things when we're extra excited. There's a large swath of the dudes who send shitty opening messages on dating apps when they see someone, you know, if they see a gal say that she's sex positive and they instantly start talking about kinks. Some of them are just fucking assholes. And, but some are blinded by their excitement that they forget to, like, remember the social contract that we're all in. But like, oh, she's sex positive. Cool. Maybe at some point we can talk about kinks, but I should not open with kink stuff right away and ask if she'd pee on me because like we just matched on Tinder. Maybe I should start with like, hey, really like that picture over there. <laughs> so don't, don't let yourself get blind. That's not an excuse, by the way. That's more an explanation for some. Don't let the excitement blind you, DL. And uh, good luck on your new journey. Uh, let's read one more. Let's see one more. Uh, this one comes from Justin. He's uh, now in the peep show. We're, we're liking him in the peep show. He shared some pretty fun videos with him and his partner. No big deal. Um, he writes, hello, Billy. Thank you for sharing your life with us and bringing another voice to the sex positive culture. I discovered you about a year ago when I was binge listening to the multi-amory podcast. So when I got caught up with them, I jumped over to your podcast and devoured most of your episodes. I realized about three months ago that this was worth sticking with, and I needed to show my appreciation. I'm almost caught up. Uh, I'm currently on episode 268, and I can't wait to start branching out and listening to and supporting some of the guests you've had on. I've really enjoyed listening to your journey. I've kept up with your story as you tell it in your intros. Yes, I listen to your intros. Woohoo! Uh, over the last year, trying to digest roughly six years of your podcast, I've gotten interested in several topics because of your show with good and bad results. A good result, Dicture.com. Oh, that's a throwback. Uh, when you had on Soraya Dulbaz, I was immediately interested. I'm typically shy when it comes to sending nudes to people, only when they ask, of course. But I felt that I could do something like this myself, and it's vastly more interesting. I've finally done my duty and have become one of your patrons. $10 a month doesn't seem quite right, though. I absorbed the majority of your content in less than a year free of charge. I hope that one day I can repay you for the great service you've done for me, and maybe someday soon I can share with you and the fan whores some of my journey. But I did want to ask, I think in your first year or two, you mentioned that you would help critique dating profiles. If that is true and still a possibility, I would really appreciate it if you could help me out. I would understand if you need compensation, Justin. Um, well, Justin, one, thank you for the incredibly kind email and i can't believe you've devoured like over 200 episodes in a year that's insane that's like arguably too much billy Presida in your ears in a year um but i i appreciate that you're digging the show so much and that you're starting your own path and your own journey on there uh you know don't give me too much credit i'm just oversharing on the internet 
But um, you asked about the critiquing of dating profiles. Yes, that is something I can do. Uh, I can take a look, give you some feedback. I have allegedly been pretty successful with uh, matching with folks and having some fun, uh, <laughs> sexy adventures from the internets. You know, I w- it's the type of thing I'd need like screenshots of your bio and your pictures, as well as what your goals are for whichever app you're using. I think that part's important because depending on what your goals are on which app, you know, you want to craft your dating profile differently. I don't know. I, I mentioned his question about the critique and dating profiles, more like to put that out there. Like I'm open to that with anybody. I can do really brief looks where I'll give you some real basic feedback uh, for $25. And if you want something a little bit more in depth, uh, we can talk about what a, a Skype coaching session would look like. And uh, if you want to email me your comments, your questions, your Tinder profile, your titty pictures, you can send anything and all of that over to manwhorepod at gmail.com. You may even hear your email on the show. I mean, unless you like explicitly tell me not to or something. Now, folks, before I do get to this episode with Brian, which is a fantastic episode, the guy's got, oh my God, what a story this guy's got. I want to talk to you briefly about something near and dear to my heart. The six-year anniversary of this podcast is coming up on April 16th, okay? That's it's a couple months away, but I want you to save that day, April 16th. I want you to take out your phones right now. I want you to open your calendar, your iCal, your GCal, a post-it note on your desk, whatever you use, and I want you to mark down April 16th, because on April 16th, six-year anniversary, doing the Man War podcast every week without missing a week, I want to have 600 Patreon members, just on that day, not on April 15th, well, I mean, April 15th is fine, it's, it's fine if we hit it early, but I, on April 16th, I want 600 members, do you think, I think we can do that. I think that'd be really fun. I think that'd be a really nice way to celebrate the occasion. And hey, if a bunch of y'all end up canceling the pledge on on April 17th, that's okay with me. I just want 600 members on April 16th to celebrate six years of slutty podcasting every Wednesday for 300 and how many now? 306 consecutive Wednesdays. So do that for me right now. Put it in your calendar, April 16th. If you only want to you know, pledge on that day and cancel it the next day, that's okay with me. But what I want is 600 members on my six-year anniversary. Let's do it. And that's a good lead-in for the fan whore appreciation moment because I want to show some appreciation to some of the people who aren't going to wait till April 16th. They're members now, baby. All right, I want to give a shout out to Chris, who is, oh my gosh, that man just seems to be drooling all the time. Welcome to the peep show, buddy. Glad you're enjoying all those dicks in there. Uh, what? Let me give a thank you to Jimmy G. Jimmy G. Is it is it possible that the the star 49ers quarterback is a uh, not only a fan of this podcast, but also a member? Jimmy G, shoot me an email if it's true. <laughs> But if you're not, uh, if you don't have like a great arm, that's also cool, dude. I'm glad you're uh, supporting the pod. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Ashley Rust out in Philly. Philly gals are great. They kind of remind me of like a hybrid of New York gals and Jersey gals. They like good food. They're tough. They don't fuck around. But also got time to look cute. Thanks for supporting the show. And I want to give a shout out to Austin Edmondson, who, you know, when you when you Google Austin Edmondson, it just pulls up a page of a variety of Austin Edmondsons who have died tragically young. 
I'm glad that you're none of them. And in fact, a, a member of the of the fan whore community on Patreon, dude. You know, keep staying alive. <laughs> so become a member today at patreon.com slash podcast. That's Patreon P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. Oh, and now for this week's guest, Brian. Just, oh, wow. Like I said, um, Brian and Brenna talk about their interactions with me on episodes 72 and 73 of their show, Front Porch Swingers, which is an award-winning swinger podcast. So I highly recommend y'all go check it out. But Brian is, uh, you know, Brian's got a fascinating story. Brian's significantly older than Brenna, which is a source of many jokes. But he has lived a life, and it seems like it's a life he has learned from. The man's got four ex-wives. Dear Lord. Um, by the way, if you are a fan of Front Porch Swingers and you're tuning in because you wanted to hear Brian, you know, thanks for coming over. I hope you'll end up enjoying the show and hitting subscribe and sticking around for some other man whore podcasts. And stay tuned to the end. You can find out uh, what we had in store for this very special bonus episode coming out tomorrow. It's... um. It's very oral. We'll just say that. And now let's get to Brian from Front Porch Swingers. A small like podcast fantasy this morning, and she's like, "Oh, what was it?" And then yeah, it was like, "It <laughs> <laughs> so was like doing a bonus episode where we just like try to chat while she's going back and forth blowing we us." Could totally do that. Yeah, oh, she, she said she's down. Yeah, she if I was serious, yeah. Uh, yeah, she would we, totally do it. You want to do it? Okay, well, that will yeah. be. Let's do that as bonus episode. She'll totally do that. Okay, next. You when he's game. All right. Um, but yeah, no, wait. So th- you guys are going on the road trip. I mean, yeah. or like permanent road trip. That's Yeah, nuts. we're going to figure out where we want to live once we've spent a year traveling around. I mean, I have some ideas, but... We'll go know, a little we're closer. Gonna, we're going we're gonna to figure that out. Yeah. Because um, you guys have been together, what, like two years now? Yeah, over two years now. That's, that's insane. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, and that's a big deal for me. So Yeah. Well, why, why is that a bigger deal for you? Uh, you know, you're talking about a guy that was married and divorced four times. Wait, 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 what? So, yeah, 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 yeah. That's funny because, like, yesterday I was talking with Brooklyn Chase and she's on uh, marriage number three. Yeah, and then in four. the telling of it, I thought she was going to squeeze one or two more in these, like, blank spots right. of registry. <laughs> I was like, don't tell me this guy's going to be three and four. Right. No. So, we're, yeah. Four, four times? Yeah, four times. And you're, you're hardly old enough to feel like four times. Nah, first time I was 22. But, that, well, that's the thing. I mean, uh, so my first marriage lasted a year. My second lasted about a year, you know, and then it was three and four that were the longer term. So, uh-huh. you know, but I'm not, a, you know, I have not had great success. But you didn't. And but the, the thing that's shocking to hear that is like, it's not like you grew up like in the South where no, getting no. married at 18 is like no, the norm. No, what? no. I didn't grow up like that at all. Are my you, parents were together till the day my dad died. They were married 50 years, Uh huh. you know, so I didn't grow up that way. I, you know? What would what it feel like to, you know. On the first or even second divorce and seeing the parents who are like, we stuck through this thing for so long. And then is that like a thought in your head at all? So no, no, that never really occurred to me. So I had some people like idealize like the parents relationship or they're like heavily trying to not become the parent relationship. There was it was more that I had, uh, you know, my my upbringing was unique. So, you know, my parents were different. My father owned bars and restaurants forever. It's what my family did. We were in hospitality from the time I was, you know, before I was born. Mm. So the, you know, the idea of marriage, my father always told us, don't get married. You don't need to get married. You know, really? yeah, he, he didn't, he wasn't an advocate of, you know, especially early on being like settling down and having to do the the norm, you know, 
And when it came time to go to school, you know, you graduate high school. Um, and then it's, you know, what do you want to do? Well, I want to go to college. But, you know, he's, his whole thing was get the fuck away from the house. Get as far away from here as you can get. I grew up in Jersey. Right. I have, uh, my mother has 12 sisters and four brothers. Mm-hmm. So I have 80 first cousins. Every fucking one of them still lives in the neighborhood they grew up in. No one left home. So his whole thing was get out of, you know, get out of here. Go, go learn something, you know. And my old man grew up in, during the Depression, was in the Air Force, uh, lived here in Vegas. He was a blackjack dealer on Fremont Street when McCarran was a dirt runway. Okay. You know, so he lived on an Indian reservation with an Indian gal, you know. Uh, so, you know, it was, he, he lived a kind of a strange life, you know, unique life, and he wanted to, us to experience it. So did, that's did he did. say why to not get married? Or was uh, just it not to get not to worry? It wasn't a thing where he was, it, he didn't say don't necessarily, but certainly don't rush it and go learn some shit. Go and then do you something. disregarded all of that, all of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, most of it, most of it. Uh, my uh, I didn't I didn't necessarily have a uh, you know the the cookie cutter uh, life. You know, as I started out, I went to high I went to college in Atlanta. Um, I worked at the Gold Club in Atlanta as the night manager. Mm-hmm. So the number one American Express is number one account. You know, in the uh, early nineties, you know. Really 18 million a year. I really would have guest bouncer. I really would have. No, I was a night manager. Um, I went and uh, studied the culinary arts at the same time I went to college. Okay. And so, you know, I was uh, a nightclub guy and a restaurant guy forever. And once I graduated, I went to uh, Dallas, moved to Dallas very quickly to work for the company I worked for for the better part of 25, 27 years. Is that where you met number one? Uh, No, I was married and divorced the first time in Georgia. To oh. a Georgia gal, who was ironically, uh, she worked in a bank. She was a banker, so she was the most vanilla of all of my ex-wives, and lasted about a year. The whole relationship, or the the marriage itself. The marriage itself. And then, how, wait, so, yeah. so how'd you meet her? Let's start with uh, that. I was a, uh, I was, I worked at the Gold Club, obviously, as I said, and the parties involved got involved in another project, uh, a sports bar concept in mm-hmm. uh, Sandy Springs, Georgia. I was asked to come on board and kind of spearhead that from a culinary standpoint. Okay. She applied as a bartender. It was that simple. That's how I met her. All right. Yeah. And then, and then, why, why that marriage? fizzle uh man you or let's about, before we ask that what was good in, what was what's one or two good things out about that marriage if any so you know southern gal right georgia gal grew up yeah. in this tiny little town in georgia wasn't even on the map uh you knew you got into the town because the power line stopped and people were burning garbage <laughs> on their front lawn okay. so i come from fucking jersey too right yeah. i was not prepared for that shit when i first got to georgia the marietta georgia it would kind of surprise me and then she's from a very rural little town uh so little country gal it was just you know she was you know sweet and different and you know that kind of thing and you know so it seemed like the right idea you know family seemed pretty normal dad was a cop mom was a nurse you know oh wholesome 100 percent. yeah so it seemed like it seemed like a good idea in theory okay you know but uh my personality didn't didn't lend itself to the normal i don't think why why was that was it like uh that east coast brashness that we have well there was some of that for sure but also i was you know listen i was running uh the number one uh strip club in the nation at the time coming home at four in the morning going to class at 8 a.m sure the parents loved that oh yeah or they her parents dad dug it you know lieutenant of fucking vice in uh in uh dekalb county georgia yeah (laughs) yeah he dug that so is there ever ever some like kind of backdoor conversations like oh yeah hey you guys gonna get raided on thursday don't have this oh no with him no 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 no, no, never got any of that in fact I actually jammed him up pretty bad, which is why I don't ever really spend any time at the Cab County anymore. <laughs> so when you get it's to- It's like when I've, I I avoid Texas because I think there's a bench warrant for my arrest. Yeah, and you don't want to fuck around <laughs> in Texas. Um, so when I got divorced from her, I was already in uh, Dallas. I left and went to Dallas. Okay. And so my attorney, who happened to be my old roommate in college, he dealt with all of it for me. And in the state of Georgia, the engagement ring is considered contractual. 
So if the you give a gal an engagement ring and that uh, divorce is predicated on something that she's done particularly, you are you're you get the ring back. That's huh? part of the deal. Okay, uh, which seems great. fair. Yeah, it was awesome. So the judge said, "Hey, uh, this is a deal that you give the ring back, and that's it. And you got th- you know seventy two hours. I think he gave her to turn it in. Well, she didn't turn it in in seventy two hours. She gave it to her dad. Dad got tied up. He held on to it, and after seventy two hours." My attorney uh, put out. They put on a warrant for him. So his own officers went to his house and arrested him because he was in oh, possession of stolen property. My God. Yeah, and then uh, he he mailed. What, what did he say? About, what did he say about? Was he I like, was not present. He was I have no, no idea. I don't know. I just know that he got arrested for it. Obviously, there was a bench warrant. They went and picked him up. The uh, ring had to be turned over to my attorney. My attorney gave it to a local jeweler where I bought it in Atlanta. Yeah. He sent it to a local jeweler in Dallas, and that's where I picked it up. <laughs> so I don't go back to uh, DeKalb County, Georgia. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's somebody's looking for me, you know? <laughs> uh, who, who approached whom about divorce? Uh, I, oh, I did. Yeah, I made that happen pretty okay. quick. And it was just because the, the friction of the lifestyle that you were living in. Yeah, her. I was not home a lot. Mm-hmm. And we were we were just drifting completely apart. And uh, then I was offered the opportunity to go to Dallas, which I had not considered. Uh, but back in those days, there were some legal things taking place at the Gold Club, which is probably why it's a church now. Okay. 2416 Piedmont Road. It's a Baptist sure. church, I think. Um, <laughs> so uh, I got out of town, went to Dallas. I was offered an opportunity to work for my company that I, I worked for there. And I took off and went. And is that where number two was? Oh, yeah. Number two okay. was actually from Houston, uh, but working in Dallas as a, as an entertainer. Okay. As, as a, a stripper or? Yep. She was uh, an adult uh, movie actress as well, but she was an entertainer in Houston and Dallas. And back in those days, you know, we're talking about early 90s. Oh, yeah. The, it was the, the heyday. Big, yeah. The, the big heyday. porn times. It was the heyday of gentlemen's clubs, too. We mm-hmm. ran the number one liquor selling establishment in the state of Texas. And so that's where the action was, and that's where she worked. So Are you able to share it. which porn person this is? Uh, you, there's absolutely no way that anyone would even remember who she is. So I wouldn't no? want to give her name. Okay, that's fine. I remember Kay Parker and Honey Wilder. I, you know, I'm, but, yeah, you know, no, this not some. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't give her name out. In, in was, fact, uh, her name she her someone took her name many years later and became very famous with her name. It's kind of funny. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. So and and how does that? How does you know being management and a stripper? How's that? Relationship uh, start. So it was great for me. So I was very fortunate when I came um, from Atlanta. Obviously, running the the Gold Club was a big deal, you know, and um, working at the Gold Club, I had the opportunity to come on board with this company, and they were super impressed with my resume. You know, I was just a young idiot, but I mm. worked at the best club in in the country, and so. I was fortunate. I was at the right place at the right time. That was when the gentlemen's clubs just took off in Dallas. It was the best market. How do you even get into like working with strip clubs? Like, how was that even kind of um, part of your path? Well, my old man was involved in them when I was a kid, so oh. it wasn't my first rodeo. It's the family business club. certainly was. Yeah, it, look, look yeah. out upon yeah. all these stripper poles. One day they shall be yours. My babysitter, <laughs> when I was a little boy, was actually a prostitute that lived upstairs from my parents. Oh yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. did you know that at the time? You is that one of those things you find out twenty years later? Uh, no, I knew that uh, pretty early on when I became probably a teenager. I had that information, you know, because she was a family friend. Mm. Yeah. So it sounds like the, it was not a sexually repressed household. You, grew oh up no, in. no, not at all. But not not at all. No. Huh. no, we were pretty wide open in my house. Which for like being like kind of the burbs in Jersey or like you yeah, know, Catholic mother, you know, atheist father. It was interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when did like who taught you about sex? Dad. Dad, yeah, hundred percent. A good yeah. talk or like a yeah, talk that sure. you'd be like, that was a little no, inadequate. no awkwardness at all with, with yeah. my old man. It was pretty straightforward. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, this like, is what you do. This is what you don't do. What, what <laughs> you do you know? say? What you don't do? That's what, I feel it, like a lot of dudes. Condoms don't say that. always, 
Always okay. with the condoms. Always, always, always. Um, but it was, you know, he was a, he was a real, like, you know, grew up in, uh, you know, b- born in the thirties. He grew up obviously in the forties and fifties. He was a gentleman and was always, you know, real cognizant of how you treated women. In my house as a kid, no one sat down, no one started eating at the dinner table until my mother sat down. Very regal. That's yeah. literally how they do with the Queen of England. Yeah. You never, literally ever. wait till the Queen to pick up a spoon. Yeah. If you even thought about picking something up, you're going to get smacked. My old man wasn't having it. Uh-huh. Nobody got up from the table until my mother was done. You know, you didn't use foul language in front of my mother. You could curse like a drunken sailor in front of my old man, but not my mother. Did you have sisters? Uh, I have a, I have a sister. So could uh, yeah. could you curse in front of the sister? Nope, couldn't touch my sister. You man, no, I can't even tell you how many of those boyfriends I had to beat up over the years. Um, I actually threw a TV guide at her once. For those of you who are old enough to remember what a TV guide is, <laughs> I threw one at her once, and my old man beat the ever loving shit out of me just to, and just to make sure that no one else did it, something like that again. That's wild because like my grandma was like kind of the other end of it. Like my grandma sent me out like. Would talk to me because I, I got bullied a fucking lot. Yeah. And my my grandma, I'd be like six, seven, eight. My grandmother would say like, if a girl hits you, like you hit her the fuck back. Oh, yeah, no. I was like, yeah, okay, grandma. Like grandma yeah. way ahead of the times. No, no, no. <laughs> that was not an option in my house. You raised a hand. If you even uh-huh. looked like you were going to raise a hand to somebody that was female in my house, you were getting fucked up. So he's teaching you condoms. I assume he's also teaching you some version of a no means no. A hundred percent. It was yeah. just one of those things where you don't go to the party unless you're invited. That was very, very common in my house. Uh-huh. You know, you don't, you don't do anything anything that you're 100% not given permission to do, certainly. Uh, even to the point where, you know, when we were kids, if you were, we were in a setting with adults of any kind, you know, your, your behavior was pretty regimented. You know, my old man was an Air Force guy. He was a soldier. And uh, while he wasn't super, super rigid, obviously, you know, there were rules and you abided by them, whether it was uh, a consent issue or anything else. So, wow. Did he give you like tips? I mean, he seems like very like a dude man guy who yeah, may have been like, ah, no, you curl up the fingers. Like, yeah. nothing oh, like no, that. No, nothing, nothing quite nothing like explicit. that. <laughs> no, nothing quite like that. It was always a question of be a gentleman, make sure be you a get, gentleman. yeah, make sure you get permission first. Like be a gentleman, the sex will follow type of, of yeah, you do the, yeah. his whole thing was doing it right meant that in the end you were going to get the right result. I love the, I, I just love the thought that like he, you know, he emphasized condoms because, and, and I like to think that, you know, he's, Go, grow, he was born in the 30s, you said? 1933. So, so he's yeah. born in 33. It's like, look, the condoms today are so much better than yeah, back right. in my day. Like, you well, got to use them. Well, and, that was, you know, and his whole thing was about responsibility, right? And it comes back to that marriage thing. It's like, you know, listen, you get somebody pregnant. The, the kid is yours be. forever. That's blood. You don't have to marry her. Yeah. You just take care of the kid. That huh. was his whole thing. You know, kids weren't a problem. It was, you know, to him, it was like, if you get married and you, you know, you have yourself a you know miserable existence because you think you have to do mm. that, that doesn't matter. You take care of the kid. Don't worry about it. And then you got into the strip clubs with, with dad when you grew, you know, when you yeah. were out of college. Yeah, absolutely. I was in, yeah, I was Wait, still sorry, working in, in I was still in school when I started working at the gold club. Wait, yeah. Were you like, were you an, an incredibly popular college student? Everyone wanted to. It's interesting. <laughs> so, um, as a kid in high school, okay. So let me put this into perspective for you. I was a wrestler through high school and college. I wrestled at 145 pounds my seventh, eighth, and ninth year. So, you know, as a freshman. When I graduated high school, I graduated about 295 pounds, okay? So I grew up in the 80s. Um, I had family who were uh, professional athletes. And so my experience being around guys who were in the gym where I was at, you know, I was 295 muscle. Oh yeah, I was 295 pounds. I was on more steroids than anybody you've ever met in your life at 18 years old. So, but I had cousins who were professional bodybuilders. So they would go to, you know, Europe or Mexico and bring it back in a suitcase. And they wanted to make sure that shit was any good. They'd stick me with it at the back, you know, <laughs> in the locker room at the gym, you know. So uh, in high school, I didn't hang out with high school kids. I have some high school friends, you know, two or three guys that I was very close with. But mm-hmm. for the most part, you know, I was a 16-year-old bouncer at the clubs, you know, in Seaside Heights, New Jersey. That is wild to you me. Know, yeah. 
Did you ever yeah. sleep with the strip? It's such a hack question, but I'm so cu- yeah. I'm genuinely Listen, curious. The only people who ever get laid in strip clubs are the guys that work there. Work there, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, unless you're paying for it nowadays. Sure. You that know? is incredible, too. Yeah. Okay, so you're you're in you're in Dallas. Dallas for a long working time. Working in this club. Yep. And you meet a chick from Houston. Uh, she, yeah, lived in, she, was, she was actually from Canada, living in Houston, and bouncing back and forth between Dallas and Houston because that's where all the money was in those days. Right, right. You know, okay. Clubs. And and how did that relationship? What's that, one, what's one or two positive things? I want to see if we can. There was so many. I would hate for yeah. you to just shit on. So, so I was like, no, let's get no. some positive. It was a lot of fun. In. That was one of those. Like you get like people say all the time. Well, why do you get married? People get married for different reasons, right? The first time you I have I got, like maybe like four different ones. <laughs> I, yes, absolutely. The first time I think I did it because I thought I was supposed to. Okay, you know. Um, the second time I did it because it was a fucking blast. She was a she was a good time and uh, got married uh, here where you and I are in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I got married twenty minutes I think after Kevin Costner at the Silver Bell Wedding Chapel. <laughs> um, our limo driver was our witness, and so you know things were good in those days for me. My job was great. I'd already been promoted. We were running a bunch of money. I was very successful, and she was like the top tier gal. So mm-hmm. you know she was bringing all of her you know friends from Houston to come to work with us, and you know things just moved along very well. So I was able to do whatever I wanted to do. If I wanted to take 10 days off, I just took 10 days off. I call and tell everybody, Hey, I'm in Vegas. I'll be back in a week kind of yeah. thing. You know, it was very cool. So we traveled everywhere and had a great time. Was the sex life particularly exciting with this one or no, oddly enough? No, it wasn't awesome. I mean, there were moments of, you know, awesomeness, but it wasn't like that's what the relationship was all about. It was mm-hmm. really about traveling and, and having a good time and just, you know, I mean, it was just us being together and having a ball. Anytime we were anywhere, she drew a crowd. I mean, she just did, you know, so it was a good time. It was just a lot of fun. Was that a monogamous relationship? No, no. Oh. She would bring friends home and we'd have threesomes and all that stuff. She was, she was okay with that. Okay. Yeah, that was her thing. But, the, and, but so the first one's a very like. Very vanilla. Yeah. And yeah. then now we got like literally day and porn stars bringing people home for threesomes. For sure. Yeah. It was a very different thing. And then what's, what, so she's fun, but what's the downfall? Like that, this is another one. You said the marriage is only about a year. Jealous beyond belief. Yeah. Yeah. To the point where I would be at work, we'd be working in the same building at, at certain times. And if another gal came up to me for any reason, asked me a question, it was a problem. I mean, she, she would beeline across the room to see what the conversation was. Jealous, like for absolutely no reason, and, but just manic jealous, jealousy. And you're in like your mid twenties, early twenties? Uh, <clears throat> very early twenties. So you're in your early twenties. How, so, you know, arguably more immature than, than now. Yeah. So how are you responding to these? Not well. Irrational acts of jealousy. <laughs> Not well. I didn't yeah. put up with it. I couldn't do it well. You know, because my job was very important to me. So I wasn't really concerned with what she thought was going on. My job was to be, uh, you know, available to the people that work for me. Yeah. So I wasn't really, I wasn't thrilled about it. And that really was the end. It was the beginning of the end. The jealousy is really what drove us apart. All right. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of couples get jealous. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, what was the way that you guys handled it that was so poor about it? Well, I found it ironic since, you know, her job was basically as a sex worker, which mm. I was totally okay with. I didn't, I didn't care about that shit. It was a job. Oh. And so I had no jealousy. I don't have a jealous bone in my body. Oh. Which but you is, weren't fucking around. No, why would yeah. I? You know, I was married to like the hottest chick in town who used to bring her hot friends home. Like what was I, right. you know, didn't even matter at that point. So yeah, I just, I, I guess I just couldn't really... I couldn't figure out, like, why is she behaving this way? I don't behave that way. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, something's not right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think I, I kind of attributed that to just like a, an imbalance that, you know, if this is what she's like now, what is this going to be like in 10 years? Mm-hmm. You know, and that was, I just ran away from it. And so, and so you, you went for the divorce on that one. I did. 
Yeah. Okay. Was that one yeah. a little easier without Much a... easier. Once again, I... Uh, <laughs> a, a ring I, to recover? Yeah, there was no... Yeah, she bought the wedding rings, actually. Uh, so that wasn't an issue. And uh, so once again, I got uh, my old, old roommate buddy to be my attorney. And okay. he took care of all of it. I went to Florida for two weeks. And by the time I got back, it was dealt with. I didn't have to worry about it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, where do we meet wife number three? Uh, oddly enough, I was dating wife number three when I met wife number two. Also an entertainer. Uh, but a but a very different kind of gal. So when the the second divorce happens, you kind of call up, be like, hey, what's your- well, it wasn't like I mean, we were we were always in close proximity. We all worked in the same industry, so it didn't it wasn't didn't take long for everybody to figure out what had happened between myself and my second wife. Sure. Yeah. So uh, we got back together, and again, it's like uh, you know we we'd been together for a period of time dating prior to my getting married to number two. We spent some time together afterwards, of course, a couple of years, and it's like, well, this is the right thing to do. This is what you do. You get married again, yeah. right? Made sense. This, you know? there, there seems uh, a lot of this like sense of obligation. It, it's yeah, a very so. old school yeah. mentality, yeah. which makes sense. Some responsibility I felt, I think, to to do the right thing. You know, okay. she it was, was a good she was a good lady, good but lady. just but not uh, again. It was always something. I think all of you know most of the people I think that have known me that long will tell you there was always a restlessness about me. I was never able to really find a hundred percent what was going to keep me happy and content and driven and all those things. I just, there was always something missing in a relationship because I never quite found it, obviously. Right. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have been married for it. I mean, you get married, yeah, you get you get married the first time, people will be excited for you. Second time, people will go like, you know what, you get a mulligan. But, right, right. You know, everybody it, gets one. And it's all in your 20s because you get right. you got married for yeah. the third time in your 20s. Yes. So at what are your friends and family saying at that point? When well, you'd be like, I'm engaged again. Once again, no, you know, once They're again. They're all just like, no new gifts. <laughs> so, no, you know what, here's the thing. Again, my family is very different. No one... My parents were never surprised by anything I did. So they were involved in the first, you know, the engagement of the first gal and all that stuff. The second time I showed up uh, back home, married. We flew from Vegas back to the house so I can introduce it to the parents. Nobody knew who she was. Mm-hmm. And my mother threw an impromptu party, you know, like no big deal. He's married. We're going to, we dig this. Third time, same kind of deal. It was a surprise. Hey, I'm married again. No, but there was no, no one was shocked. No one's anything. giving you shit about it. No, absolutely and not. And if I was in your family, no. I'd be riding Nobody. you. <laughs> Nobody. It was never an issue. You know, never an issue. Oh, and there were no kids. I never had any biological children. Yeah. So it was never, you know, it was never like a big deal. That, that's, you know? that's nice. It yeah. seems like a very loving approach to it. Yeah, yeah like, absolutely. You know, minimal snark. No, no one. No, listen, my mother and father was it's like, as long as you're happy, we're happy. We don't care. Don't do anything stupid. You know, mm-hmm. whatever. Don't kill anybody. You know, that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. How long was that uh, marriage? Uh, that was a number of years. That was, that was probably longer. five or six years. And what, yeah. were, what were a couple some of the good things about about that relationship? Um, you know, I think that that was a time in my life where I was really trying to to stabilize myself. Again, my career was really starting to to bloom at that time, and so. It was more of a normal kind of relationship in life that I had in those days. Of course, I was running gentlemen's clubs and restaurants and class B casinos and all that kind of stuff. But uh, other than that, my home life was pretty normal. You know, we bought a house and, you know, did all that stuff that normal people do. Monogamous. Oh, yeah. Now, she was also um, somewhat, you know, uh, sexual creature. But for the most part, it was a monogamous relationship, mm-hmm. you know, uh, until toward the end when um, we were no longer, I mean, obviously we weren't getting along. And of course now I'm, uh, I'm looking for the out, looking for the exit. Doing you know? what you you have previously done. Absolutely. So uh, very quickly, once we decided we were not going to be together anymore, I started dating right away. Uh, she moved in with somebody at some point. So, you know, it didn't, didn't take very long. All right. Yeah. I mean, so, but, but what was the rift in, in that one? Why, why I mean, is that one? We just became very just, different people. The things that brought us together, I think, really just kind of wore off. It was no longer, we didn't have the same 
ideals anymore, I don't think. More, we're looking for different ideals. things. You know, we moved to a, a rural, more rural part of, of Houston in those days, had built a house out there. And very quickly, um, you know, she wanted to get back into the city life. I did not want that. I wanted out of, um, you know, the craziness of downtown and of the big city. I wanted to be out a little further. Um, so, you know, where she wanted to go out and party and I was not looking to do that. I, I partied for a living. Yeah. You know, I used to tell everybody all the time, I go to a party every day hoping work shows up and then I want to go home and fucking do nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we kind of, it was a very different thing. You know, she was working uh, in the bars in those days um, as a manager and, and bartender and very successful at it. Um, but she enjoyed that aspect of life. I was not, I was not a party guy. I was not a big drinker. I don't want to be out till two in the morning unless I'm getting paid to do it, yeah. you know? So a little bit different. And that was a more amicable. Was Absolutely. That an amicable one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. So now, so what takes you to to wife number four? Um, and that's like the long one, right? The longer, yeah, absolutely. It was uh, again, you know, work related. Uh, she was a, kind of an administrative person. In my wow, you're company. about to inspire so many people to try to like get into the gentleman's club. It's not business. the same anymore. No, it's not the same anymore. <laughs> I got out for for multiple reasons, not the least of which was the the industry changed drastically. How did the has the industry changed? Oh man, so you know, you're talking about in the early late '80s, early '90s. It was a you know, I don't want to say it was regal because that's not the, probably the right term necessarily. But it was definitely more acceptable, more mainstream. There were there were rules, you know. It was a very different thing. Um, it, it didn't have the the stigma I think that it has now. Um, and over the over over the years, it got a lot more. It got a lot less structured. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the emergence of kind of the independent contractor status of entertainers, it changed the the, the game a little. bit. Were they bit. previously employees? employees for the most part? Yeah, and then the the the. Uh, the idea of independent contractors came together and, um, it changed the scope of things. And, um, it's just, you know, it's not a, not a great environment anymore. I, frankly, I don't think it's good for the entertainers unless they're really, really smart about it and they get on with a good group of people who really are operating the business like a business. Because when I first started, it, gener- it really was a business. It, you know, it seems so in the, it was in movies, like it was in mainstream movies. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, going to a gentleman's club is a common scene I've seen in so many flicks wow. from like that era and always looks so glamorous and yeah. it's like never yeah. seemed too like dingy and dirty. No, especially in a, a particular place like the gold club in Atlanta. I'm not even going to go into the names of the people that I've met over the years that were superstars because it was which cool. president. Yeah. No, no presidents, no presidents, more but, important people than but that, two actually. senators. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of senators, lots of congressmen. I'm just saying, how many people who are like, you know, being stubborn during impeachment could you blow some shit up on? Oh, man. Not, is there uh, any way, I, I won't ask for names, but like, is there anyone currently in Congress that you had seen? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. No. no. Uh, state people, for the most part. Because that, that would have been wild. Yeah. But, but listen, to see really, them on C SPAN. More be than like, anything, it's like the movie stars and the rock stars yeah. and the athletes and all that stuff. I mean, it was a very popular thing to do in those days, you yeah. know? Um, and then it changed. It got a kind of the seedy, um, kind of, you know, conceptually became seedy and underground and because a lot of people got involved in it because of the, strictly because you can make a lot of money and it didn't matter how you made the money. They just wanted to make the money and it really watered down the industry. So, so it was, it was like kind of low quality people, Very, yeah. people seeing the money and be like, how can we do this even cheaper to make more? Oh yeah, and then, for sure. And you feel like it brought the whole, it yeah. did. It, ch- it changed everything. And to like, me, that's uh YouTube comedians getting headliner sets and being shitty at comedy for sure. Cause they're not vlogging yeah. and it brings comedy. For sure. It changed. Well, 
oh yeah, listen, it changed everything. And, um, you know, you think about, I mean, for me, I think about some of the different places that I've operated. And I, I was part of a company that built, uh, gentlemen's clubs all over the state of Texas, some as far, you know, far west, far east, far north, far south, mm-hmm. central, all over. And in all those regions, there was always, a, a, you know, things were always different in different regions, you know, you know, geographically things are different. And the more kind of rural the, the, the locations got, just the shadier the business got, you know, and, and how we had to conduct business was really, a, really kind of unfortunate. It just turned me off to it. It became mm-hmm. dangerous in a lot of places, you know, um, like, lucrative, but dangerous. Well, like mob type uh, of dangerous. You know, listen, you deal in some of the areas of South Texas, you know, you get into Harlingen, Edinburgh, McAllen, you're dealing with uh, cartels to do business. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you go out west, you're dealing with corrupt politicians. You know, you want to get something built, you want to get an ordinance change, you got to meet somebody in the middle of the night with a check. You know, it's just how it worked. Cash is just how it worked. It was like cartel you know? stuff, like uh, part of like agreements so they can do business oh, at yeah. clubs. Oh, yeah. You either did yeah. business with them or you didn't do business. Well, more like letting them do whatever they need to do at, at you know. Yeah. You had, you either had to subscribe to that or you just had to bail out. And we did a lot of times just, just picked up shop and just moved. Really? Yeah. They, oh, they'd yeah. show up, you'd open a night, you'd be like, Hey, we, we run this area. Oh, but you know, closing nights tomorrow. <laughs> had a, uh, had what location in very far South Texas. Had a, uh, a general, ma- general manager out there who I knew for many, many years. Um, who was not a guy who was going to be afraid of anybody or anything uh-huh. like that. It was a, you know, yeah, it was a, a guy who was built for the, the industry, let's say. Been around it a long time. Called me up in the middle of the night and said, Hey, man, I'm packing up and headed back home. His home was like, I think at the time in Tennessee. He's like, Listen, man, they're going to kill me out here. This isn't going to work. I didn't know what he was talking about. Um, called the boss boss put me on a plane i flew out and um i get uh the next day i get a you know knock on the door i'm kind of got the staff the guys around the managers around trying to figure out what's happened tell me what's been going on and a kid that was probably 15 or 16 years old the most pleasant young man i think i'd ever met at that time came in with six pretty salty looking dudes and had a very open conversation with me about what had to happen in order for us to continue business there. And he was very polite about it, but I had absolutely no idea. No, no, there was no doubt in my mind that this 16 year old would have had these guys machine gun that club to the ground if I didn't comply. So as soon as I very politely excused myself and he left the building, uh, called the bosses, Hey, we, we got to, we're, we're going to pack up shop and get out of here. Cause they're probably going to just kill everybody here. If we don't, don't do business with them. And what, that was it. What's your thought in your head when the first guy calls you? The guy you're like, this dude doesn't back down the people. What goes through Honestly, your I thought he was full of shit. I thought, yeah. ah, he just doesn't want to be away from his family anymore. And he's just kind of overreacting. He was not overreacting. I am not a guy who was afraid of people. I don't, I don't frighten easily. Uh, been around that shit a, and worse for a long time. And this kid had absolute dead eyes and I knew he was not bullshitting me. That is so. Yeah, that was, that was it. It's all I needed to hear. I wasn't going to be responsible for 20 people getting killed in one of our, you know, clubs, you know, and that was it. That was, that's the kind of thing that just chased me away from the business. It's not the same anymore. Cause I think some people would think like, oh, uh, if you were to tell them, oh, yeah, no, strip clubs are not the same anymore and this, that, they're harder. I think most people are going to think legally. They're going to think, oh, tighter laws and stuff. And I know that's an element, but I don't think I, you know, as many people are thinking about, that type of element. No, no, no. Those are things that people, you know, that's, that, you tell people some of these things and I don't talk to people a lot about it. Many, very few people know what my, my past was like in my current life these days. Mm. Uh, they, most of them wouldn't believe half of the stories. I mean, it, it's so crazy. Some of the shit you put up with, you know, really, it, it's really crazy, especially when you get to some of these, you know, West Texas, East Texas, South Texas towns, you know, it, it was pretty nuts. Would you, would, would some stuff kind of dust up around the girls, you know, like having to kind of defend your, employees from some yeah yeah some bad figures yeah absolutely i mean we'd have to many times you'd have to have guys follow girls home 
uh, to make sure they got home safely. You know, they're driving around with cash, big cash, lots of cash. You know, you need that kind of, you know, that security, that kind of thing. Um, in a town in Texas, you and I were just talking about it here a little while ago. It's very dangerous. Um, I had two guys that would go with me every day to make deposits at the bank. There was only one bank in town. And we would make cash deposits over the weekends. You know, you have to wait till Monday. Mm. And, you know, you're talking about eighty, dollars $100,000 in cash. So, you know, literally somebody riding shotgun in the front seat and the back seat to make sure you got to and from the bank safely. You know, that kind of stuff. That's wild. Yeah, I will say uh, small town, uh, small town bank stuff. I drove through Oklahoma a, a few nights ago and I, I go through one town and I pa- at night and I'm passing like, what is the one bank there? <laughs> but the name of the bank was just bank. Bank. <laughs> I was, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I know like sometimes like I'll get emails being like, you're a little condescending to like the South and these places. I'll be like, in my defense, the bank is called bank. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, in some towns, listen, I've been to places where the post office uh, and the sheriff's office are the same building and it's, you know, it's a shed yeah. essentially, you know, it's crazy. So yeah, those places really exist. That's not just in the movies. That's, you know? that, that's it's incredible to me. But yeah, I wow, what a different time. And so yeah. then, what's what's it like now? I honestly, ha- you know, to tell you the truth, I've been out of the game since 2014. Okay, so I don't know 100 percent anymore. I, I have uh, a couple of close friends that are still in the business, um, but I, you know, re- we really don't talk too much about that. I got out of that and I, and instantly went right back to the restaurants, to the high end restaurant business. Mm-hmm. Um, you never go into like strip clubs. Today I, and, I don't kind of go foot. like and start no. criticizing. Like I don't step foot. No. In. no, never. I have no use for it. I've I just don't have any interest in it. Sure, you know, not anymore. Yeah, so yeah, had, had enough of that. Yeah. yeah. So so. Uh, Back to wife number four. So you said she was also an entertainer. Uh, or no? An administrative person for the most part. Not really an entertainer. Okay. Know. And then, and how old are we when we first meet her, I guess, or when we first start being uh, romantic? Let's see. We're talking about, I was probably in my early 30s. Okay. Yeah. So you took a little break from marrying. You I didn't, did. You didn't squeeze one more in no, no. those 20s. No, no. I was running around like a madman <laughs> in those days. And uh, yeah, met in my early, early to mid 30s. And that lasted... Uh, pretty close to 10 years, almost and, 10 years. And so what was the romance like in the beginning? Oh, it was great. Like every other relationship, Like all right? the others. Yeah. But at that point when she and I had first gotten together, my career took a different path. And then I started doing a lot of traveling for work, which is where I was, you know, going to different places around the state of Texas and then in Florida and opened locations. Uh, the year of 2010, I slept in my own bed twice. I was on the road that much. Yeah. So we didn't know how to live together because we hadn't. You know, it was sporadic. And the year of 2011, after I spent a, the year of 2010 away from home in a very difficult place to do business, it was very dangerous, uh, seven days a week, very lucrative, but very dangerous. Mm. I decided, told my boss, hey, I need a break. I got to go home. You know, I just can't. I got to get out of here. Went home for the year 2011, and that was it. We could not live together. We were two totally different people. Nobody's fault necessarily. I, probably more mine. I think after 2010, I had... Uh, you know, to, I don't even know how else to describe it other than some form of PTSD. I was so violent and angry and on edge. I, you couldn't be around me. Um, so I was probably from dealing with these unsavory figures. Oh yeah. 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 From dealing with the kind of people I had to deal with from the, from the local, uh, law enforcement agency, which was fucking corrupt as could be to, uh, the customer base, which was just absolutely the craziest thing I'd ever dealt with. And I was, I've seen a lot of shit. That was the craziest I've ever dealt with. And so by the time I got home and I was done, I wasn't having, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to be around that shit. I'd go to work because our corporate office was, uh, where my home was. And I would go to work, go to the office, do 
my thing and go right home, I wouldn't. That was it. I did as little as I could possibly do, you know, and still do my job. In the, in the early days of that relationship, when you were dating, like, is the fact that you had three ex wives was that a a, a a conversation to have? That wasn't no, a, no, not at all. No, it wasn't she, a big deal. She was very fine. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And again, not you know, I don't. When I look back on it, I'm sure back then I had a different different perspective on it. But now that I'm older and I look back on those things, there's no doubt that. I was 95% of the catalyst for, for my failed relationships, all of them. Well, that, that was another thing I was going to ask is why looking back in your, in your wise old age, what, like, what have you learned? I mean, can you look at each of those marriages and pinpoint things you could have done better in those marriages? Yeah, I could have been a better human being, nonetheless, husband. Like how? Uh, probably more diligent toward the relationship, more attentive. Um, you know, uh, I, one of my ex-wives used to say that I was indifferent to whether or not she was even, she even existed. Like it would take me, it would take me seven seconds to fall asleep at night instead of six if she didn't show up at home. And she was hundred percent right. Is that in part, is that because of where you were at in your maturity or does that have to do with work and just being so work-minded or what? Yeah, I think it was a little, I think it was a little bit of both. The fact that I knew, um, if she, you know, it, it was a relationship that I didn't take seriously. I didn't take enough of them. I didn't take any of them seriously, obviously. And I, I just didn't put it, I didn't make my relationships a priority. Work was my priority. And being, being back then, I wonder what it could have been like had we had these as I wave my cell phone in the air. It's like, you know, where, where like I can talk to my girlfriend every day. Yeah. I can also have, uh, enough so that I can also sometimes uh, say something dumb and cause a fight, but like, For sure. uh, but, but the fact that like I can talk to her every day, I can see her every day. I can look at her. Sto- you know, we had a thing when she went to Tokyo and there was a sense of like, she would ask if I missed her. And I was, I, you know, I'm, I'm stupid. I, right. I just answer honestly. So I was like, no, but it was, I, it wasn't that I don't miss you. It's that. I, I'm seeing you every day. I'm seeing everything you're doing. I'm watching, cause I watch your stories. I sure. like, I don't follow people on Instagram. But I follow my girlfriend and like, yeah. and I get to watch that and I get to interact and I react. And so we have short interactions like that. And then sometimes some phone calls. And so there's like no way, like I don't need to, miss, I don't feel like I need to miss someone to prove sure. I love them. Right. But it's, it's such a different way. And so it seems like the distance was a factor. And if like, oh, yeah. if you were able to text a bit to call more, to be able to, she could like, watch your stories and feel like she still knows what's going on with you that day. Yeah. Like, I wonder how, if that would have changed anything or not. Probably not. Absolutely not for me because I am, you know, obviously my relationship with Brenna is very different, but Mm. Brenna is the, she's the digital person. She's the social media person up until she and I got together and we started, uh, you know, our podcast and that kind of thing. I didn't have a social media presence at all. I never, never believed in it, never gave a shit about it. Uh, just you have to like convince you to get a smartphone. uh, I always had it because I needed it for work, (laughs) but it was, you know, it was work related only and it was never. Facebook You're like snap what? It's, Nef- I have. Mm, I still don't know how to use that. I mean, you know, um, right. So I don't. Yeah, I have no. I never had a use for it. So no, it probably no. The truth is, I didn't care enough. You know, I didn't make anyone a priority other than myself and work in those days. And I was convinced that I needed to become more and more successful and make more money. And you know, all that was all I was focused on for whatever reason. I don't really know why I didn't grow up that. Because there wasn't, and there also wasn't someone to provide for. Necessarily. There wasn't as much emphasis. It wasn't like you had a family. Where you're now, you're driven. Well, I must be more successful so I can provide for family. No, not entirely true. My uh, no. my last wife did have two children that were oh, gotcha. not my biological biological children that I took care of and took took that very seriously mm. back in those days. So I felt like I needed to make more money and do better because now I have mm. other people you know that I'm responsible for. Um, and so you know it, it was important to me. It, how about this? I made myself believe it was important to me, which was the excuse for me working and never going home. Mm. That's essentially what it was. And so. 
by my math, it would seem like you spent a good chunk of your 40s not married. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, are you dating? Yeah. Are you just sleeping around? Are you, are you still so work focused? How, yeah, how, no. what, what's going on in that time period before we meet Brenna? Uh, I had a lot of, you know, girlfriends, quote unquote, but I was certainly not a monogamous person. I didn't have to be because I had no responsibility to anybody in those days. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I was just dating and having a good time, you know, but again, concentrating really on work. And after 2014, 2015, when I got back into the, uh, hospitality business from a restaurant standpoint, that's an industry that is just, it just takes up all of your time. Mm. And it was even more difficult to form any kind of real relationship in those days being, you know, operating multiple restaurants in multiple cities and multiple states. You know, it was a big deal. Right. So how'd you meet Brenna? So I decided, uh, one day, I decided one day that I was just done with big city life. I just didn't want to do it anymore. I really needed a break. Um, you know, living in a city of 7 million people, it was just overwhelming after a while. I just got tired of it. I want, and I knew I needed to do something different because I wasn't improving the quality of my life. You know, my job was great, you know, all that good stuff, but I was not happy. I wasn't content, very restless, looking for something else to do. And I thought, fuck it. The only way for me to do this is to just do it and leave and get, just completely go someplace I had absolutely no real knowledge of, didn't know anything about, didn't know anybody, uh, and picked up and moved, uh, you know, to rural Montana. You know, that's where I met. Uh, How did you pick that on the map? So oddly enough, um, I, I, a, a young gal worked for me back in, uh, in the days when I was running restaurants who was from Montana. She told me how beautiful it was. And she was in town. She was in uh, Texas going to school, but she couldn't wait to get back. Mm-hmm. And it was just something that always stuck with me. And I thought, well, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. You know, um, there was an opportunity. I was, I had three job opportunities going at that time because I was looking to get away. One was in Aspen. One was in Ithaca, New York. The other was in Montana. And dad said, get away. Dad, dad <laughs> get died in 2008. Away. Well, but, in, so, but there's still this. Oh, get away. Yeah, move. Got away. Yeah. Got, yeah, just change. Yeah, listen, if you're not happy with your current condition, just change it. And there was no other way for me to do it other than pick up and leave and, and just go someplace that I didn't know anybody and had a different kind of way of life. Mm. And so I was, on, I was in the airport literally getting ready to board a plane to Ithaca, New York for the third time. This was going to be it. They had made me an offer. I was going to shake the guy's hand and go to work. I called uh, my recruiter at the time and I called him from the airport and said, sorry, man, I can't do it. There's no fucking way I'm going to Ithaca, New York. Uh, Hung up the phone and booked a flight to Montana and just went out there for the first time. And there was a a company who was uh, a a national company looking for a culinary director, director of operations, sent him my resume. They called me the next day. And um, I flew to Atlanta to meet with those folks, and they put me to work, and I went right back to to Montana instantly. Incredible. Denver first, then Montana. And then we we met Brenna up there. Yep, sure How, did. Uh, Montana through what, gal. Through what means? Uh, so Brenna and I met on Craigslist. Ah, I love me the Craigslist. Rest in peace. Yes, before the uh, before they took it down and changed yeah. the whole thing, you know. Um, and now all the gangbangs get organized on Reddit. That's, that's, that's the new thing. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my understanding. That's what all the kids tell me now. It's Reddit. So yeah, we met on Craigslist under the, with the guides of kind of a, a, a DS kind of relationship, but mm. you know, dominant submissive relationship. Um, and we literally, I mean, for with, other than a very short period of, period of time after we met have not been apart. 
you know, we travel for work occasionally. She'll go out of town or I'll go out of town. Otherwise, we've been together ever since. Yeah. Y'all uh, are, seem so very much in love and very yeah. much fun. But where's the, where does the, so y'all have a podcast from Porch Swingers. We do. Uh, very fun. Check it out. I've been on it. I've also been talked about on it. Uh, yes, you have. Oh, God. Yeah. One of my favorite podcast episodes that <laughs> exists in the world. Uh, I just got to sit on the subway and describe someone sleeping with me. I was like, <laughs> I felt like a pretty boy. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah. Um, but so, so you had not done like, say, like, full, you had not like done the swinger lifestyle necessarily. No, with I had ex wives. No, no, no. Right. I had some familiarity with it. Um, being in, in the, obviously the adult entertainment business, we as a company, um, took control of a very popular swingers club, uh, in Texas. It's, uh, it's still a swingers club, different one, but still very successful. Oh, so you kind of had, so you kind of knew a little bit about the lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. So From an operational standpoint, we yeah. took, we took possession of it because the person who was operating it owed my employer a lot of money. He was the landlord of the building. Uh, so, you know, I got a phone call and, hey, listen, by the way, I need you to go over here and make sure I get paid every month. So, uh, put somebody in place and take over. And, you know, bring okay. me my cash. So from that standpoint, I had some familiarity with it. Had and I found Brenna it interesting. Had, had some, no, she had some, no, 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 none at all. Um, you know, from a, from a kink standpoint, you know, uh, BDSM play, absolutely. She was, she was versed. She had, uh, trained under a very prominent BDSM person. And so she had a lot of, uh, success and, and experience there. And that's kind of how we started our relationship. But the truth is that didn't last long. We became, I think we fell in love very quickly and knew that we were, we were the right people for each other because the truth is the relationship started with, you know, hundred percent open and honesty. This is what I want. This is what I don't want. This is what I've done. I'm not doing that again. Um, and it became pretty clear that we could pretty much tell each other anything. Yeah. You know, that's what it boiled down to. I was never able to do that before. Which one of you approached the other first about going beyond kink, but like going into swinging and Brenda's idea. She Brenda's brought it idea. to me first. Where did she yeah. get the idea? Uh, you know, I don't know. It's a question. Well, we have to, we'll, we'll, we'll have to ask her when she's here. Yeah. We'll have when to her ask mouth, her that question. When her mouth's not full. That's right. Uh, <laughs> she's going to be a busy gal. <laughs> well, that, that's fabulous. So, and so how did, how did y'all kind of really lean into that? How'd you kind of enter into swinging? Kind of like everything else we do, which is pretty much, um, without a, without giving it too much thought we just jump right in and we analyze stuff a lot but when it comes to um experiences we're both pretty eager for new experiences so once we had a conversation a couple of times about the idea of my sleeping with someone else and then her sleeping with someone else 10 days later we had our first experience mm -hmm. literally do you, do you feel like some of that um wanting new experiences is that restlessness from when you're younger do you think uh, it's, uh, i don't know if that's necessarily the case not anymore because i'm, I'm really not restless anymore i'm quite okay. content i think more of it than anything else it's like it's pushing the envelope, right? You're in a relationship. Everything is great. You talk about everything. Nothing is off limits. And it's like, how can we, how do we push the envelope a little bit further? How do we really turn this thing up? And that's what we do. Whatever we, anything we can conjure up, you know, particularly when it comes to the, you know, sexuality space. If one of us is up for it, the other one jumps right in hip deep. She's never said to me, Hey, let's do this. And I've never, I've never said, hey, I'm not sure if I want to do that or vice versa. Mm -hmm. It's always, okay, let's give it a shot. Well, I mean, well, it seemed like you were a little trepidatious about having threesomes with uh, another woman. Uh, very much so. It, it was very odd for me to be listening to an episode. Uh, I was listening to an episode where like you talked about ha finally having one yeah. recently. And I was like, Oh, good for Brian. Well, good of course, <laughs> in my past, I had plenty of them. But right, right. But, but, but with Brenna, I was yeah. like, Oh, I should say, good for Brenna and, uh, yeah. Brenna and Brian as a unit. With, uh, with you know, the situation. Of all the configurations, I was just shocked that that's the one that's been last. Well, it's interesting because you would think, you know, a lot of people who know me best would think, ah, you know, what are you talking about? How could you not want to do that? You know, the truth of the matter is, um, I was very uncomfortable with the idea because 
you know, consent is a big deal, obviously, right? You want to make sure that everybody is on board and everyone is comfortable. And I got the impression from the first gal, she wasn't 100% sure what she wanted. And that made me uncomfortable. And it, it, it did not lend itself to a great experience. I very quickly moved myself out of that experience and left it to kind of Brenda and, and she. And after that, I thought, you know, there's no way I'm going to do this. Certainly not without Brenda's presence. Um, I don't know if that if the right gal is out there for this for us, particularly where we live. I was really apprehensive about it. And she'd approached me about different women over over that period of time. Yeah. Just didn't feel right. I got a really weird vibe that first time yeah. and I just wasn't comfortable with it. Okay. But she, you know, she uh changed my mind, you know. And how long into a relationship is, is someone saying like, you know, oh, let's start a podcast? <laughs> uh so we were together six, seven months maybe when we when we uh no, that's not true. Yeah, right about six or eight months when we first started, I think, uh, the podcast. And what was your reaction? Because I'm assuming, because Herbie, I, I, I'm just assuming just from what I'm picking up that she came to you for it and then your response was, what's a podcast? No, 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 okay. no, no, no. Actually, the idea was hers to start a blog. We were going to okay. blog. And I said, well, fuck that. Let's not do that. Let's let's do a podcast. And she's like, are you sure? I said, yeah, let's do it. Three weeks later, we were doing a podcast. Right. You know, uh, and, and just oversharing on the internet. 100%. 100%. Yeah, it is interesting because like you know I, I'm not like a I'm not a weekly listener. No offense, I don't That's listen okay. to a lot of but I do pop it. Out you guys are like one of my first like shows where like okay I ran out of shows that I have downloaded for today, right. and like you're one of the first ones I'll go pop in. Be like oh what are they, what have they been up to? It is fascinating because like I don't I have not heard all these things. I I don't you know we hear I think I've heard sometimes like that you have you are divorced but i didn't know you had four ex-wives yeah i didn't yeah. know all this stuff yeah and so i found that um all really interesting to get to get to hear here yeah um by the way i have texted brenda that she should probably come through um then we're gonna, <laughs> we'll wrap up the main show portion i will say this like you know do you feel any sense of pressure from yourself to with brenda to not repeat the mistakes of old very much. or do, do you feel confident that you are overcome on all those things or or do you feel still think there's some things that you're always kind of making sure and checking in like, oh, don't, don't fall into that pattern. I don't have any concerns about repeating history again, necessarily with um, how I behaved in those relationships, which was not stellar. I do find myself being cognizant often of how I say certain things to Brenna, how we, how I speak to her about certain things mm -hmm. and how I approach certain things. You know, we've got a 20 year age difference between us. Yeah. Um, and I, I have a, it's, as I told you earlier, I get a unique perspective of that, you know, 29 ish year old mind mm -hmm. and it's different. You know, I, I have lived, uh, a, a pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty colorful life, you yeah. know, and a lot longer than Brent. I mean, as you know, we laugh all the time. I was married and divorced, uh, when she was born pretty right. much, you know, uh, for the first time. So, um, there's a lot of, I have a lot of experience with things and I have, I find myself a lot of times having to let her experience stuff without me telling her, like, let her make mistakes. Yeah. Like, Hey, let's not out. do this. And then I, I stop myself because right. Cause she's, listen, she's steadfast, man. She is a strong person. And to tell her not to do something, it's kind of like telling somebody not to look down at when you're on a ladder. It's the first fucking thing they do is mm -hmm. look down. So if I say, Hey, you shouldn't do this. It's the first thing she's going to do. There's a big parental instinct in general to, I feel like to try to get your kids to not mistake, uh, repeat the same mistakes you have for sure because they know better. They've been through the thing 100%. with that type of age difference. You know, it, it, it's got to be rough to know that she's making a mistake in something maybe, yeah. um, potentially in whatever regards, but just because you already seen it, you've lived it, or you have a bunch of friends who lived through that too. Yeah. And to kind of not accidentally condescend to, 
to kind of almost watch your tone. Do you, do you ever, you know, I feel yes. like is, is you're not my dad something that has actually been said in a fight? Like, uh, oh, well, no, not that it, necessarily, you know but I, mean? I get a lot of times, don't scold me. Like, I get that a lot. Don't scold you. Yeah, because listen, oh. myself and Brenda's parents could have graduated high school together. Right. You know, that's, I mean, that's the truth. We're the same age, essentially, give or take a year either way with all of us. So, yeah, I find myself having to stop myself from saying, hey, babe, we shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. That That's a bad idea. And she just looks at me like, I'm going to fucking do it anyway. Uh-huh. So I said, okay, do whatever you want. Which I'll of course, wait. there's an attitude there that's all, you know, her 100%. own thing to, you know, absolutely. to look at. But yeah, absolutely. Kind of like, hey, we're going to Vegas. You don't need six pairs of shoes. Oh, no, you're right. I need seven now. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, I just shut up. Yeah. But it, it, yeah, okay. I mean, that's, that's really cool to hear that, that that's a thing you're cognizant of and have that you've be. learned about. And yeah. Because, I mean, geez, I'll date someone four years younger and I have to be like, I have to try hard not to talk down to. Well, it's like, yeah, you know, and I, do, I really, I earnestly try not to be condescending uh-huh. or patronizing in any way when it comes to that. You know, something like, listen, I've, I've done this a thousand times. Sure. Please don't make me watch you go down this road. Uh-huh. But uh, it's just. But you if you she to, does have it, you're there to help. You know, yeah, you're there I mean, just, to be like. Yeah. And you're in the back of your head. You're like, I told you so. But you, yeah. out, outwardly, you're saying like, I'm so sorry you went through yeah, that. Yeah, I just got to, pre- you know, I'm fully prepared for what's going to inevitably happen. Yeah. Uh, I just prepare myself mentally for that mm-hmm. and just let it roll, which is good because, you know, she gets to learn stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, it's important, especially like when travel, you know, we're going to be doing a lot of traveling yeah. next year. And there are some places I have no interest in going because I spent an inordinate amount of time there. And it's, you know, some places I just don't care for, but she wants to go. And it's like, okay, no problem. Go check it out. See what, see what it's all about. What's the place you know? that she really wants? to go to you don't want to go to uh new orleans i have no use for new orleans no, no use for it <laughs> no no use for it i spent a lot of time there um you know in mexico you know i travel wait listen Vegas. well you you have good reason not want to go to mexico but like look there's some people yeah. who i don't who, <laughs> you just I, never know i kind of want to survive the trip yeah but you know, even here in vegas you know from my, in my my former life with my former company uh we'd be i'd go to vegas twice a year i did it for 25 years i've literally been to vegas well over 50 times mm-hmm. and you know after a while it's like ah, we gotta go to vegas again you know, let's go somewhere else. Yeah. But this is where the action's at. So this is what you got to do. Yeah, you know? Uh, so yeah, it's, it's just stuff like that. She just recently came back from Miami. I've spent a lot of time in Miami. I have no use to go back to Miami. It's the same <coughs> thing. But, um, you know, she needed to experience it and she did. Yeah. And she liked it, certain things about it and didn't care for other things. So we don't have to worry about going there. Fantastic. You know, we've already done it. <laughs> so. Well, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll hear something out of, of Brenna's mouth at some point when she's here and we'll get into some, uh, some fun, sexy naughtiness. Yeah. That's, uh, she's always good for that. <laughs> uh, we'll just record it this time. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but for now, uh, you have a good show, Front Porch Swingers. People yeah. should check out. Um, where else can they find you on the, on the internet? Uh, you can find us on Twitter, FP Swinger. Same thing on, uh, Instagram, FP Swingers. Uh, we've got sexonyourterms.com. It's our coaching portal you can find us there and of course uh email us at mail at com. you can you can definitely reach out to us uh there as well well that's that's actually the lay of the hour i hear um, a knock at the door <laughs> brian uh thanks for chatting with me man why don't you say goodbye to everybody anytime thank you very much man i appreciate being here oh hello beautiful oh, hello hi. hi we're just talking about you we're just wrapping it up yeah <laughs> So look, if you want to hear what went down with me, Brenna, and Brian in that bonus episode, you know what? You're going to have to become a member of the fan whore community. It's it's about time, and I think this is a great time to do it. Uh, become a member at the $5 level and get access to this very oral bonus episode, as well as nearly 200 other bonus shows. And remember, we're trying to hit 600 patrons as a community 
for my six-year anniversary on April 16th. You can get started on that and pledge today so that way you know you already did it or put it in your calendar. April 16th, 8 a.m., become a member. And if you want to make a, a reminder on April 17th to cancel, like, hey, that's your decision. That's your life choice. I just, I want to hit 600 for the six-year anniversary on April 16th. I think we can do it. And I even let someone suck my penis on microphone just to entice you. <laughs> uh, again, you can become a member at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash podcast. No, you cannot sign up through the app because I'm adult content. Um, but let us know what you thought about this episode. Make sure you're following me on the socials. I'm on Twitter at the Billy Presida. I'm on Instagram at Billy is Presida. And you can go to the Man Whore Podcast Facebook fan page, click like, and uh, take in all those sweet, sweet sex positive memes and announcements. Got some feedback, got some, uh, got some criticisms. Do you just have some titty pictures you want to send in? You can shoot me an email with all any and all of that at manwhorepod at gmail.com. I am I'm glad to finally be back in the Eastern time zone. I'm glad to be um, home. I'm resting up at my mom's house for a couple days before I, I, I roll back to Brooklyn. Oh man. I need this hemorrhoid to go the fuck away. I'm telling you, everybody. Don't strain when you poop and stay slutty. Oh, should I start the question? Yeah, I think that that would be good. <laughs> so we are uh, today actually doing uh, Brent and I a <sighs> seminar.